0: Eat, Play, Sleep podcast acknowledges the traditional Custodians of country whose lands were never ceded. We pay our respects to their elders past and present.
1: Hey mummies, welcome to Eat, Play, Sleep, the podcast for all the families out there looking for all the answers. No matter where you are in your parenting journey, whether you're experiencing
0: the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, we can help you realise that you're not alone.
1: I'm Claire, mum of two and a certified sleep consultant and school teacher. And I'm Alana, mum of two and a school teacher. Pop your headphones in and join us along with our favourite experts to discuss all things eating, playing and sleeping. It's time to spill the tea.
0: We're back. I'm well. How are you? I'm rested. I'm um I'd love to say caffeinated but I'm actually not but more on that later
1: oh my gosh I know it's been such a nice break feeling super inspired though 2024 back at it new guests a new lineup of professionals and I just can't wait to get into more topics and be back in everyone's ears
0: Yes, me too. We have so many exciting topics lined up and some that we're just covering on our own as well as with our amazing guests. So one of the ones we can't wait to jump into soon is our cot to bed transition, which you're currently undergoing with Alfie. Well, you're sort of past the initial stages now. It's been, what, a few weeks or months? Yes,
1: I'm super glad we held off recording because... I mean, obviously we'll go into it in great detail, but we had this incredible week and then things just went downhill. So now I think I can come from a totally different perspective. It's easy to tell you what to do, but experiencing it is a totally different ball game.
0: Yeah, I, I really need to hear this one myself, actually, because we're still in my two and a half year old is still in his cot and I'm thinking about doing it, but I'm really nervous. So I'm going to
1: learn from all of your highs and lows in that regard. So true. Now, I'm going to let you take the fort on your low for the week, because I know we've had a bit of a stressful one. Tell yeah, us- so.
0: The reason I'm actually not on this potty or in terms of not on the interview, we were maybe 45 minutes from the start of our record and I just fed my daughter some lunch. She had some scrambled eggs and a little bit of croissant from my two-year-old and she just started going really red and I thought maybe she's a bit tired. She was rubbing her eyes so vigorously and then when I got her out of the high chair, I realized she also had hives down one side of her face. She had these little lumps with red around them, sort of like mozzie bites, but just everywhere down her neck and her chest as well. So needless to say, yeah, I know it was not something I experienced with my son. I thought first, okay, has she been bitten by something? But then there were so many of them. There's no way a mozzie could have bitten all of her face and neck, for example. So I quickly cottoned on that it must be a reaction to what she'd eaten. Um, so we called 1-3 Health and they advised us to go see the GP. So she was all good. We went to the GP as advised and it was most likely an egg allergy. So we'll now have to go down the road of reintroducing it and seeing what happens from there. So definitely time to get an allergen specialist on the potty, I think.
1: How stressful. I can't imagine. We've never experienced anything like that. And look, you were saying she's had egg multiple times before. So how frustrating.
0: I know a lot and prepared the same way. People were sort of saying, is it just the egg yolk or the whites? But it's just scrambled as I usually do. So it just was really unexpected. But anyway, it was um, back to normal within maybe an hour or two probably two hours. She was completely herself again, like it had never happened, which is
1: fantastic. That's good. And it was the worst timing for you because it was right before a nap is due. And I know they always say you don't want to then put them down for a nap because it's really hard to monitor their breathing and, and how the rash might keep spreading. Yes, because I was
0: thinking I'll just pop her down for a nap. We'll do the potty. I'll see how she is when she wakes up. But the child health nurses were saying, oh, well, if she gets any swelling in her throat, her breathing might be obstructed. And then that's where it got a bit sort of stressful. So, Yeah. yeah, it just wasn't worth it taking the chance. I just put her in the car. We went to the GP and you were amazing on taking the lead with this one with the amazing Harriet. How good. It was a great
1: chat. Do you have a high for us? I actually do. I have a high. So um, I probably haven't even mentioned this anywhere yet, but I'm currently in the process of working on newborn and toddler guides for my sleep consultancy side of the business. So this week I received my first draft from the amazing Jenna at Studio Dylan and it is looking incredible. So it was just like one of those moments where I just thought, holy crap, I am doing this. I'm going to have a guide available to purchase on my website. And she has just captured the vision, the colours, my branding. She's just making it look so incredible. So, yeah, that was just my high seeing that and shoving it under everyone's nose who will care to look at it.
0: That's so awesome.
1: And it's almost like a proud moment of seeing...
0: I knew well not comparable to a new baby as us mums know but it is a really exciting moment seeing something you've worked so hard on kind of come to life so that absolutely. sounds absolutely awesome and I can't wait to see it
1: so today we are going to be chatting with Harriet so she is a lactation consultant she has a really holistic approach today our focus was just mastitis so this is something i know you and i have both experienced and something really really important to note is in about 2022 the research and the advice actually changed so this is super important to listen to harriet's chat with us today to figure out what you should do just a little side note the old advice was heat pumping and pumping and that is absolutely not what is recommended anymore so yeah super important that's so wild because we had
0: mastitis at the beginning of last year and even then we were doing all the wrong things thinking that we were helping ourselves, but we really unbeknownst to us made it
1: worse and the first thing i do is go straight to a gp and get antibiotics but you'll find out very very soon why that's not always the best thing to do either what an awesome chat, let's dive right in. Thank you so much for joining us today, Harriet. We're so excited to talk to you about all things mastitis. But before we get into it, I have a what would you rather question today. This is a good one, because you do have kids and little ones. So you've got a month. You're either gonna give up coffee for one whole month or you have to give your toddler coffee every day for a month. Um, I'm not giving up coffee. No way. You're going to give your toddler coffee. <laughs> could <laughs> I, you imagine?
2: I feel like I could outsource parenting a lot for a month, maybe, like That's increase true. daycare, things like that. And I do have a husband. I just didn't tell him that I'm feeding the child coffee.
1: Yeah, and it could I'd be frowned go- upon. <laughs>
2: I'm just thinking about me withdrawing from coffee. I'm not willing to experience that
1: right now. I'll take any option that involves still getting my daily coffee.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I genuinely fall asleep at night looking forward to my morning coffee. So yeah, yeah, it's not going anytime soon.
1: I don't get those people who say like, I don't drink tea or coffee. I just think, (laughs) do you not like the flavor? Like I love everything about it. Everything. So Harriet, we know a little bit about your super boob. So can you tell us a bit about that? Because it's very fascinating to me.
2: Ah, uh, yes, my super boob. Good old lefty. So she's she's held the fort for a very long time. Um, so my eldest is seven and a half, nearly eight. And when I, before I had him, so when I was 21, I had, um, <laughs> my nipple was leaking frank blood. I was a student midwife at the time and we were talking about hand expressing and how some women can produce colostrum if they're in high oxytocin environments a lot. So we all went home and tried to hand express if we had colostrum and no one did, but I did have frank blood out of one of my nipples. So after getting that checked, I just freaked out and thought I had cancer, but turned out to be a ductal papilloma. Which is fairly harmless. It's just that you don't know whether it is one until it's removed and they can test it and stuff. So I had to have surgery where they removed fifty well, she said fifty percent of my ducts, but who knows how many ducts you have, really. Yeah. And then the placement of them. Everyone mm-hmm. has a different amount of ducts. So we negotiated and I was like, um, I need to save what we can. And she she said she'd only take what she needs, so she took the top half. And I just went into breastfeeding assuming that it would be okay realistically it's just there was too much damage behind there for there was no exit for a lot of the milk so I had a lot of engorgement a lot of mastitis um, I did try to attach my baby lots of times but the scar tissue behind the nipple just there wasn't much elasticity there either so it was always a shallow latch very painful just not fun <laughs> Doesn't so sound I fun. Yeah, I gave up at about three and a half weeks with him. And then when I had my second baby, I went into it knowing I wasn't going to even try and feed on that side because I had experienced mastitis so much in those three weeks with him and the pain. And I took antibiotics straight away knowing that I'd probably get mastitis and I didn't want that thinking it was an infection in the breast straight away and lots of ice and all of those suppressing lactation techniques. And then the third time I didn't take the antibiotics. I just did all the suppressing lactation stuff on that side. I still get my milk in the same as anyone would. There's just no exit. So, yep, I've exclusively breastfed all my babies. They've never had a bottle. So, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. So I've been breastfeeding or pregnant since June
1: 2015. And Lefty's taken all of the hard work.
2: Yeah, I had so many health professionals say that we would need to do top-ups and we would need to have formula in there as well. And you probably only feed for like six months, maybe a year. And I just, every time I was like, no, I'm just going to prove you wrong. Yeah. So (laughs) most of the work I do is based on something someone's told me and I'll be like, I'll figure that out and we'll see, come back and
1: see. (laughs) So um, a couple of things that you mentioned in there. Well, I guess the main one is today's topic, which is mastitis. I know that for me and a lot of people, every time I feel a bit of a pain, I have, I guess, trauma from probably one time I had mastitis and like, I want this episode to stop people for reaching for those leftover antibiotics like I do. Um, So can you tell us, I guess, what is it? And I want to help people differentiate between the two different kinds of mastitis. So yeah, we'd love to hear about that.
2: Yes. So mastitis it is inflammation of the mammary tissue in your breast so we used to think it was just infection but what we know now is it's inflammation that can turn into a bacterial infection so there's a bit of a process to that also it's a spectrum so there's a few things that are within the spectrum of mastitis and we've got um, a lot of reasons for that because we know that it is inflammation it can then manifest into different things like nipple blebs so there's white spots you might get blocked ducts, even abscess so with mastitis you would see pain swelling redness of that affected breast and you get to like symptoms so chills fever um you just feel
1: terrible so that's that's basically what mastitis is And I think the first thing that people do because they panic is call the GP. They jump on Google and the information that we would have been presented with in the past was pump, drain, get rid of the infection. I know this research has changed and I think it's really, really important to have a very clear understanding on what should we do. So we should
2: treat the symptoms that it's inflammation. So what you would do to an ankle that's sprained, we're going to do that to your breast tissue as well. So yeah. we're not jumping in the shower and massaging it out. We're not applying a lot of heat. We're not putting a vibrator on it. <laughs> we are resting. <laughs> we are applying ice. We are having anti-inflammatory medication and pain relief. They're the things that we want to do. And we have to assume that it's inflammation before we assume that it's bacterial infection. So that's a really important thing. Whenever you have any mastitis symptoms, jump straight on thinking it's inflammation. That is the first thing that you want to do. So, yeah, I use a little um, acronym called BAIT. So B is breast rest. So we're only feeding the baby to demand or only pumping to the usual schedule because mastitis is often caused by engorgement. And if we're pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping, it's going to exacerbate a lot of issues. The reason we were told to pump was because we used to think that the milk within the breast is infected. So we had really basic knowledge of what the breast anatomy was like and then the function as well. So we just assumed that there was bacteria in there because you're having systemic symptoms and antibiotics were pretty much the only answer to that. So that was our old knowledge. So now we know that we're just dealing with inflammation and maybe a few other things. So treat inflammation first, and it's usually caused by engorgement and hyperlactation. So a lot of mums see mastitis in those first weeks where they're experiencing a lot of engorgement.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Total sense when all that milk's coming in. Okay, perfect. Yeah. What was the second um, letter of the acronym?
2: A, so anti-inflammatory. So there's yep. medications, proven really. The neurofin is what you're going to reach for. Um, And you can use other things like arnica and anything that you feel decreases swelling. With engorgement, what we have is the breast tissue around the milk structure becoming swollen, which means the milk structure itself and the exits for the milk, those ducts become narrowed with the swollen tissue around it. That creates a more difficult passage of milk. (laughs) And then what we have is more engorgement because it's harder to remove the milk that's yeah. in those milk yeah those milk sacs so it's a it's a catch-22 if we were pumping and pumping and pumping we're just creating more supply <laughs> while our breast tissue is inflamed the exits are narrowed and it's it's just a cycle that then would lead to that bacterial infection really then it's ice keeping them cool so we're keeping them cool we're decreasing swelling we're decreasing circulation milk is made from blood so we're trying to minimise blood flow in that area, minimise redness, and it's actually really good for pain relief as well.
1: I was going so- to say that. <laughs> ice would feel good, wouldn't it? It would just generally feel nice.
2: It does feel really, really nice. So the, the last acronym, the last letter of the acronym is T, so treat pain, and that's Panadol. But I just wanted to circle back to the ice because we used to say things like cabbage leaves were a really good thing to put on breast. But with the new protocol that we have that came out in March 2022, we had a new understanding, or they they opened up the forum for the microbiome playing a role in mastitis and having recurrent mastitis. So typically, when we're, we're not going to be looking at anything that could disrupt the microbiome, especially of the skin and around, so like castor oil being rubbed on there or like cabbage leaves, we just don't want to risk it. So we would rather just cold compresses and ice on there and then Pornadol as well. So that's how we treat that inflammatory mastitis, those first-line treatment at home.
1: So I guess when, you know, this is so bad that I, I've totally admitted to me just taking antibiotics that I had in the cupboard, um, I guess it comes <laughs> from all trauma it. though, right? Like <laughs> it's such once you've actually genuinely experienced mastitis and I was sweating one second, shivering the next, so much pain, it's almost just like a trauma instinct to just think, I need this, even if it's not mastitis. And I guess the reason it worked is probably the anti inflammatory aspect of the antibiotic. Is that right? Exactly right.
2: So, when we used to advise people to just go straight onto antibiotics, we were masking the true what's actually happening within the breast because it has an anti inflammatory property to it as well. Yeah so that's exactly it every time we've done that we've just we've probably been doing anti-inflammatory measures as well on top of that and then a little bit of things that don't help so it's kind of you'd end up in limbo for a bit but overall it might have helped for that alone
1: so you're not saying we can't take antibiotics but when when would we need them yeah so if you are have inflammatory mastitis symptoms Or risk
2: of dysbiosis. So risk of dysbiosis being that you have good and bad bacteria in your body at all times, but dysbiosis is when there's a mismatch, like an imbalance. Yeah. So within your breast tissue, you might have an imbalance where there's more bad bacteria than good bacteria, and sometimes this is caused by previous antibiotics that you've had in the past, and microbiome, like the way you were born and the lifestyle you've lived. Like you, you're not going to be able to pinpoint exactly what it is that this predisposes some people to more like recurrent mastitis as well. So it would be about trying to figure out if you've had antibiotics say in your pregnancy or recently, it'd be like, Oh, maybe it's to do with dysbiosis. We can add in a level of care by adding in probiotics to that. And it's a specific probiotic. Um, it's lactobacillus fermentum. Most people would know it as the brand Chiara, but there are others as well with that mismatch of bacteria, the bad bacteria that lives on our skin naturally. if it it's more in our breast tissue then we might develop what we would know as like a biofilm, so like a layer within the duct, and that's what then might cause more of a blockage, more of a narrowing, and then we have less chance of the breast decreasing inflammation, persistent lumps. And if you've seen people say on Instagram with like um, where they've expressed like a congealed, almost like a plug. Like a jelly yeah and they think that their their milk's really fatty and that's the reason that plug that like in in inverted commas (laughs) is that biofilm so it's almost like a tubular um and that's why that milk's not removing so if we have mastitis symptoms and we're using all of the conservative management approaches and it's not getting better and you might even be getting worse if it's 24 hours, it's been 24 hours and there's been no improvement, it would be going to the GP then. GPs should be saying, look, try these conservative management um, options first. And then if it doesn't get
1: better at all, then you're heading to get those antibiotics. It's interesting because I've been to the GP a couple of times, and every time they just give me the antibiotics straight away, they're handing them out like hotcakes. This is why educating
2: mums is the most important thing. So we should know, we we, we should want to know about our own bodies. And it's interesting enough information that we tend to hold onto it quite well because it's our body. With GPs, they have to know enough about everything. Like their scope is massive. They, They just need to be able to keep people safe and they need to be able to refer appropriately as well. So... If I was approaching the GP with mastitis thinking, I'm not sure what's going on, but maybe I need antibiotics, they should really be referring you to an IBCLC at the same time because it's not addressing root cause by giving antibiotics. That's just Band-Aid solutions. So we need to figure out why. Why did it happen in the first place? If you woke up after a miraculous moment where your baby slept through the night, and you wake up in the morning extremely engorged and you have mastitis symptoms, I would argue that that's just inflammation from engorgement because a bacterial infection takes more than 24 hours to develop.
1: And thinking back to the times I've experienced mastitis, probably around six months old, six months postpartum, just starting to get better sleep patterns happening And yeah, you just go one night from broken sleep to a full night's sleep, and your milk's thinking, hang on, we got nowhere to go (laughs) because we were coming out overnight.
2: Exactly right. And it often happens when things change. So we get what's called holiday mastitis or festive season mastitis where we're pushing out feeds. We're not feeding very effectively because we're busy and um, yeah, we're, just, we're eating different food during those times. There might be dysbiosis happening, inflammation in our own guts as well. So there's so much that can be contributing to it and that's why getting someone who's really good at breastfeeding assessments and advice to actually help you with figuring out the why. So if you know that it was just you sleeping through, you can go, okay, we can get through this. If it gets worse, then we know we can go to the GP.
1: So I remember talking to you a little while ago about Luca having a shallow latch, and we thought Mm. possibly some of this was coming from inefficient feeding, I guess, and yeah.
2: Inflammation in the breast, It can be, it was caused by tissue trauma as well. We used to also think like the old style advice was you've got a nipple crack, for example, and they thought that the bacteria can track inwards into the breast. And that's why they thought they needed to just send you straight for antibiotics. But we kind of, we don't think that's the case at all now. It would be more so to do with nipple trauma deep within that breast. So it's broken capillaries. It's like a cell death as well. So the vigorous massage comes into that that little category there too. We're not sitting there putting a vibrator or digging our fingers into that breast. We're not trying to remove milk either more than we need to. Yeah. But the shallow latch would be
1: how we address
2: root causes. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I love the comparison to the sprained ankle because it's so true. <laughs> like you would not touch it. You'd be elevating it, icing it, taking Panadol and Urofen and resting. But Yeah, months, and you'd be like,
2: like hydrating and looking after your body and someone else would look after the kids for a bit.
1: <laughs> there was some treatment options that I had never heard of. Laser therapy, ultrasounds. I want to hear about these and if you do know, like how we can access this kind of treatment as well. Within the protocol. So the protocol that I'm talking about
2: is the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine, protocol number 36. So anyone can go to that and read the process of looking uh, looking after yourself. But there are some pretty hectic photos in there. So just a little trigger warning on that one. <laughs> so within that protocol, we have a whole range of things. And one of the things they mention is therapeutic ultrasound. Find it at your, physio, your physiotherapist. It uses sound current and it accelerates the metabolic rate of your body. It reduces pain, increases circulation, and it decreases the firmness that you feel in your breast. So it's just contributing to that um, anti-inflammatory approach. And I love it. Like, I love it. Like, we'll always kind of use that as one of our first-line approaches as well, because when you're looking at benefits versus risk, there's little to no risk and lots of benefits being. So it's definitely worth looking at. And you're just going to be looking for
1: therapeutic ultrasound for mastitis in your area. Would that be like an expensive kind of thing to be involved with
2: not usually usually it's just a short 15 to 30 minute um it's not a consult it's literally ultrasound applied to the breast and I I can't tell you the range of prices sorry because every physio would be
1: yeah totally different no I get that
2: (laughs) but this is where that breastfeeding isn't free comes into it yeah yeah Yeah, all the money you've saved
1: on tins of formula you can just make sure you um look after your breasts when you need this Therapy,
2: (laughs) exactly. But it just gives you another option, and sometimes you feel really um, proactive just doing something else. And having someone apply treatment to you actually helps mentally as well. I think the other thing you mentioned was low level laser.
1: Yes, yes, I saw that on your Instagram. So tell us about that one.
2: (laughs) So this is what we've been using in Sydney for a little while now. So I work in Sydney and the Central Coast. And I am going to get my own for the Central Coast eventually when I save my dollar bucks. But um, basically it's fairly new and there's heaps of research coming out on how effective it is for a range of things. Predominantly nipple damage but also mastitis as well. So it's photobiomodulation, that's what we call it, and it's shown to decrease inflammation. It's used for various pains lots of sports injuries so some physios would also have low-level laser therapy there too Um, and sometimes after different surgeries they'll recommend it so it helps with soft tissue damage and that is mastitis and nipple pain as well we see fabulous results and within not much time often we'll do it with um, a few different sessions and they're quick 15 minute sessions and you wear some pretty cool Nazi sunglasses sometimes while you do it. Oh, what a win. Um, I know. Yeah, you look really cool. So and you also need to either have someone with you to take your baby or be able to cover your baby's cram so that they're not looking at the light either. Yeah. But again, that, that treatment's not treating the root cause, it's it's treating the symptoms and yeah. it's it's a therapy. So it should be alongside a really good assessment of of the why. we we should always be searching for the why
1: yeah unless you know the why and you just want to be out of pain i guess like as you said, if it was a full night's sleep or you had been hit in the breast you know your why i guess we're talking if it's like repeat mastitis there's obviously something that you really need to figure out and i guess would these treatments work if it had turned bacterial You'd always be adding
2: on antibiotics to yeah. what you're already doing.
1: Yeah, but you so still Antibiotics, benefit. just
2: another. Yeah, exactly. And most of the time, once you've researched and looked for low-level laser therapy and booked it in and done it, that's more than 24 hours.
1: So you're heading into that bacterial state anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Oh, how good. Um, I wanted to ask as well, I heard you chatting before about milk blebs on the nipple. Now, the idea of a milk bleb is so confusing to me. Do you get it and it goes away or do they, can, do they stay there? I'm just, I'm so confused about the link between a milk bleb. So the milk bleb is within that bacterial mastitis kind of spectrum
2: because it's the biofilm within the duct. Yeah. And with that your body kind of <laughs> has a little bit of a brain fart moment and sends more epithelial cells to the surface of the nipple. So you might even look at your nipple and see the white milklet, but it looks like the skin on top of that might be thicker or a different color. I mean, everyone's different, but the idea is that we're not we're trying to minimize any disruption and trauma to the system there um we would be looking at the reason why there's biofilm behind there and often in my experience I've seen a lot of nipple blebs because of continued nipple trauma that's that breast inflammation too so it's all in that spectrum we used to say the old school way was to um pierce the skin to unroof it because nipple blebs are so so painful your milk is wanting to come out of that area and it is completely blocked and the door is shut. So that's why it is very, very painful. If we were to continue to unroof those blebs, what we have again is the skin cells just proliferating again and trying to um, heal that area with skin. So it just means that you're going to get nickel blebs and white spots again and again and again and again. So with that, we use a topical steroid, like a moderate potency one, and we just rub that on the area, wipe it off before feeds, and that's how we treat that now. And that's within that protocol too.
1: Okay, amazing. Harriet, you've got a mastitis management course that you have put together i guess it's a handout it's (laughs) only 11.99 so super super packed filled with information and i've had a look through it and i can tell you from my experience it's quite easy to read Often I find you look online and the information is just for consultants or for nurses <laughs> and it's just language that we don't get. So that's what I love yeah. about your book. Um, I guess that's why you created it, right? To make it a bit more yeah. achievable.
2: Yeah. The moms
1: that I was sending it to were unwell
2: and tired yeah. and sore. It's more than what we've discussed here today because there are so many different aspects to managing mastitis and figuring out what's going on. Um, but on top of that, we've now started offering just mastitis consultations because sometimes we don't need the full breastfeeding everything. We just need enough to get to that root cause and then treat it appropriately. So that's why we've done that in both Sydney and, here. Yeah,
1: yeah. and am. look, don't wait till you think you have mastitis to get the course. Look at it now, get the information and have a really thorough understanding because then I guess as soon as it hits, you just know what to do and you won't find yourself in the shower, massaging and poking and prodding, because you'll know that is absolutely not the right thing to do anymore.
2: Exactly. Be kind to your breast and ignore a lot of the bad information that you see on the internet. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's I information.
1: know. There's information coming from every direction, whether it's opinions or professional opinions. And I think just knowing that the information you've given us today is the most recent research and we can only do with what we know. And this is what we know. So I guess we're not blaming the old advice. We're just we've got more information now. So if you're looking at advice for mastitis
2: and it's earlier than, say, 2022 now, I would be questioning whether it's old advice or new advice. Or if there's anything that you see on Instagram where someone has commented saying, I think there's new advice now, that's when you would have a little red flag pop up and go look and find that information. But knowing it all beforehand can help prevent a lot of things.
1: For sure. And I think if all else fails, just think, would I do this to a swollen, sprained ankle? And if the answer (laughs) is no, then you're probably doing something that might um, not be the right approach.
2: Yeah. And if your gut feeling just says it's not right, like mother's intuition is always right.
1: Always. All right, Harriet. Well, thank you so much. If you want to jump on Harriet's Instagram, it's at the full stop breast, full stop help. And there's so much information. There's links to her website where she has hot and cold breast packs. They literally saved my titties post babies when milk came in and I was trying to encourage milk and then relief from the engorgement. So yeah, jump on there for some information and to connect with Harriet. Thank you for joining us today at Eat, Play, Sleep. We hope
0: you took something away from our chat today and remember we are all doing the best we can. If something is not broken, don't fix it. Our journeys are all so different and so
1: are our children so we shouldn't compare ourselves. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a subscribe and show us some love on our socials. See you next time.